0: You're listening to the Dustin Gold Standard on Payne.TV. All right, ladies and gentlemen, we are back from the break. My name is Dustin Gold. You are listening to the Dustin Gold Standard right here on Pain.tv slash gold. All right, folks. Just remember, if you like this program, please leave us a five-star review at Apple Podcasts and a comment. It really does help us, ladies and gentlemen. We appreciate that. Join us over at pain.tv slash gold. Hit us up on Twitter at Hackable Animal or at Dustin Gold Show. And check us out on Telegram at Dustin Gold Show. You can get to all those links in the description of this podcast where you can also send a donation to help support the program while we're growing over at donorbox.org slash Dustin Gold Show. And you can also register your car out of your state if they're a pain in the ass, just like the state of Maryland here, with Dirt Legal. Description uh, contains the link there, folks. If you purchase a service through them, I make a little commission, so it helps keep the lights on over here. That's all. That's all. All right. This goes on to say, during the progressive era, eugenic approaches to social and economic reform were popular, respectable, and widespread. This essay documents the influence of eugenic ideas upon American economic reform, especially in the areas of immigration and labor reform, and tries to illuminate something of its causes and consequences. Though our focus is upon economics, eugenics appealed no less, and arguably more, to scholars, And the other emerging sciences of society, especially sociology and psychology. A fuller treatment is available in Leonard 2003, upon which this essay draws. So, there is a deeper uh paper that i did not go through yet but this covers the basics and so this is why i want to continue going through this with you folks i think it's very important by the time we're done with this you're going to have a clear understanding of the history of eugenics and then we're going to tie that in with all the overlaps to the guys that were behind technocracy And then there are some bankers that we're going to bring into this. There's a particular banker who was in and around Howard Scott helping promote him, who was instrumental in the creation of the Federal Reserve Bank. So you have the rise of the Federal Reserve Bank, technocracy, and transhumanism all happening together. Why? Because, as usual, the bankers are behind Most everything, folks. Most everything, you can find a banker behind it. So, Maria Albanese, co-host of the Thomas Paine Podcast on Fridays, and Wide Awake Jim, they've been doing research alongside of the stuff that I am doing here, and we're going to be working all this in. If you haven't had a chance to check out episode 88 and episode 80 featuring Wide Awake Jim, all about the climate hustle and how that leads into central bank digital currency, which is really just the rebranded term for for the energy certificates created by Technocracy Inc. going back to the early 1920s into the early 1930s. It all ties in together, folks, and so we're starting to see the same bankers behind what Jim is researching, and I'm researching, and Maria Albanese is jumping in and kind of filling in the blanks, so eventually, and hopefully soon, she promised me she's going to be able to come on. We're going to start to fill in some of the stuff I missed in certain shows, and she's going to bring in a lot of her research, which is invaluable information. All right, it says, Immigration and Race Suicide. It was a scholarly fashion, circa 1890 to declare the U.S. frontier closed and to sound a Malthusian alarm about excess American population growth. But the professional economists who wrote on immigration increasingly emphasized not the quantity of immigrants but their quality. Quote, if we could leave out of account the question of race and eugenics, end quote, Irving Fisher said in his presidential address to the Eugenics Research Association, quote, I should, as an economist, be inclined to the view that unrestricted immigration is economically advantageous to the country as a whole, uh, end quote. But caution, Fisher, quote, the core of the problem of immigration is, one of race and eugenics, end quote the problem of the Anglo-Saxon racial stock being overwhelmed by racially inferior quote defectives, delinquents, and dependents end quote. See how these people talked right out in the open about this kind of stuff. It reminds you of I don't know, like Yuval Noah Harari and the things that he says you're a hackable animal you're a useless human we will just give you video games and drugs until we eliminate you yeah it's the same type of stuff folks these are the guys that rise to power they want to run the world and i think to be honest with you i have friends who identify as liberal friends who identify on the left. But if they knew that this stuff was coming out of the progressive movement, the same as it was coming out of the fascist movement by Adolf Hitler, I don't think that these people would be for this. I have some friends that are not totally crazy. They just identify on the left. They're actually very conservative traditionally on a number of issues. And so if you could start to explain this stuff to your friends, the history of what was actually going on in this country and don't make it about the right or the left Say it the elites the uh social engineering class these power hungry criminals the same ones in charge today were doing this stuff back then you might to get get people to open their eyes uh to the brain chip and to the designer babies and stuff that's going on today because this is the origin of this this is where it comes from folks It goes on to say, fear and dislike of immigrants certainly were not new in the progressive era, but leading professional economists were among the first to provide scientific respectability for immigration restriction on racial grounds. They justified race-based immigration restriction as a remedy for, quote, race suicide, end quote, a progressive era term for the process by which racially superior stock, they would call them natives, is outbred by a more prolific but racially inferior stock immigrants so if you've ever seen gangs of new york with the butcher the butcher played by daniel day lewis actually one of my favorite characters he was uh but is the federation of american natives fan and so he was standing up against the new Irish immigrants. So this stuff goes way back, folks. It goes way back. It goes on to say, the term, quote, race suicide, end quote, is often attributed to Edward A. Ross, who believed that the, quote, higher race quietly and unmurmuringly eliminates itself rather than endure individually the bitter competition it has failed to ward off by collective action, end quote. Ross was no outlier. He was a founding member of the American Economic Association, a pioneering sociologist and a leading public intellectual who boasted that his books sold in the hundreds of thousands. Ross's coinage gained enough currency to be used by Theodore Roosevelt, who called race suicide the, quote, greatest problem of civilization, end quote, and regularly returned to the theme of, quote, the elimination instead of the survival of the fittest, end quote quote all right the elimination instead of the survival of the fittest so they believe the immigrants would come in and end up eliminating the fittest i'll comment on this in one second let me finish the paragraph it says in that same year more than 40 years after the american civil war ross wrote quote the theory that races are virtually equal in capacity leads to such monumental follies as lining the valleys of the south with the bones of half a million picked whites in order to improve the conditions of four million unpicked blacks end quote all right now listen If their issue was, let's say in the case of the United States, keeping it a European country, they could have done a Donald Trump and just built a wall, okay, and stopped immigration, told the boats to stop coming here or turn them around. But you're going to see that's not what this is all about, because this idea of keeping immigrants out, which they could have just done, they could have ran it as an immigration policy, not as a eugenic policy, ends up growing into the idea of eugenics and breeding and sterilization and everything else. I haven't totally figured it all out yet, but they're mixing in, and and this was true back in history, they're mixing in this Controlled immigration, which is a policy that should be totally available to any country, any sovereign nation to turn away immigrants, versus this idea of actually breeding and sterilizing and actually hardcore eugenics. But you'll see this is what it's getting into, but I want to set this up for you so you understand how these guys thought and how their thoughts evolved into what we're seeing now. It says Ross's theory was that that the native Anglo-Saxon stock was biologically well-adapted to rural traditional life, but less well-suited to the new urban milieu of industrial capitalism. In his view, the racially inferior immigrant races, quote, Latin, Slavs, uh, Asiatics, and Hebrews, end quote, were better adapted to the conditions of industrial capitalism and thus would outbreed the superior Anglo-Saxon race. The race-suicide proposition that persons of inferior stock outbreed their biological betters turns Darwinism on its head, since Darwinism defines fitness as relative reproductive success. Progressive era eugenics, in contrast, argued that fitness comprised attributes, such as race, that could be judged independently of reproductive success. Indeed, race suicide theory was predicated on what Darwinism denies, what eugenicists call the elimination of the fit, the elimination of the fit, right? But what they're talking about is themselves, the elites, elimination of the elites. Now, what they don't really address back then was the idea that this industrial boom the industrial era the creation of all the machines were creating the majority of our problems so what they do is they decide just like with technocracy and just like with transhumanism today that instead of addressing the real problem which is the rise of the machine they start saying they're going to use the machine and use engineering and use science to fix a problem caused by them a problem caused by that problem reaction solution and to fix that problem they're going to use technocracy and they're going to use eugenics more machines and more science to manage a problem that they caused which was the uh, elimination of the fit well it was caused by the rise of the machines it goes on to say by 1912 simon Patton, okay remember him this is friend of rexford tugwell simon Patton, the reform Wharton School economist who served as AEA president in 1908 could say quote the cry of race suicide has replaced the old fear of overpopulation end quote in explaining why those of inferior stock were more prolific early progressive era economists emphasized how economic life under industrial capitalism was increasingly dysgenic that is it tended to promote the survival of of the unfit. Patton, for example, argued that, quote, Every improvement increases the amount of the deficiencies which the laboring classes may possess without their being thereby overcome in the struggle for substance that the survival of the ignorant brings upon society, end quote. So what is their solution uh, to this today, folks, to creating artificial intelligence and robotics that will replace what were once the workers but now will be the unfit because we have nowhere to put them? That is universal basic income, and that will eventually be genocide. And so they were talking about this back then, folks. They were already starting to see the problem, that they created this idea of industrial capitalism, and so now it would allow the uh, survival of the un Fit as these people were being replaced in this new economy. Folks, when I get back, let's read a little more. Let's clarify this for you, because we're going to work into some really dark stuff. Really dark stuff, folks. I mean, really sick, disgusting stuff that these people were talking about in the late 1800s, early 1900s, and it's no different today. All right, I'll be right back. This is and Gold with the Dust and Gold Standard right here on pain.tv slash gold. and gentlemen, I am Dustin Gold. Welcome back to TV slash gold. You are listening to the Dustin Gold Standard. All right, folks, let's jump right back into this. I mean, this stuff is very, very important. It says, in response, we're talking about Simon Patton. So in response, Simon Patton ultimately argued For the state taking over the task of selecting the fittest, eugenics. So this would be the state. As I've told you before, there is no deep state. There is only the state. And so Simon Patton wanted the state to take over the task of selecting the fittest, all right, eugenics, those they would allow to live. It says, quote, social progress is a higher law than equality, end quote. Patton volunteered, social progress is a higher law than equality. So see, these guys did not believe in equal rights. They didn't believe in human rights. They didn't believe that all men are created equal. No, they believed that social progress, the whole of the social mechanism, the uh, science of social engineering, as the technocrats would put it, that this social progress was a higher law than equality. Patton volunteered and the only way to progress was the quote eradication of the vicious and inefficient end quote frank fetter who was to serve as president of the aea in 1912 also worried that quote the benefits of social progress are being neutralized by race uh degeneration end quote owing to the quote suspension of the selective process end quote All right, so you see what these guys are talking about here? Now, ask your friends who lined up to get the vaccine promoted by people like uh, Bill Gates, funded by people like Bill Gates. Bill Gates would have been one of these people back then. He openly talks about overpopulation. He has said that if the vaccines work, we could lower the population by 10 to 15%. We proved that on this show. We showed that to you on this show, in context. So all the fact-checking out there on that quote is a lie. But someone like Bill Gates would have been involved with this. You take Donald Trump, who people on the left called Adolf Hitler for four straight years, from 2015 when he was running, all the way through uh, 2020 when covid land the high school theater production kicked off they called him adolf hitler and then when he said here's my beautiful vaccine my beautiful vaccine line up for it it's so beautiful wonderful it's tried and true it's tested it's so great so great people lined up the people that hated trump and called him hitler lined up to take a shot from hitler how do you know that our government wasn't running a eugenics program to weed out the unfit and jabbing people with a death shot i mean if people on the left friends of yours that aren't horrible people they're just people they get sucked into the ww wrestling as many of you have i have others have They're just involved with that WWE wrestling, but if they knew about the true history of our country and what was going on here 100 years ago... Maybe they would have thought twice about getting the shot. That's why I didn't get it. I didn't get it for that stupid bumper sticker slogan that it was an experimental vaccine. It was an experimental drug, experimental gene therapy. No, I didn't get it because I thought the government was going to try to kill me. All right, I don't trust the government. When you read about the history, the true history of our country, what our government has done with Operation Paperclip and MKUltra and eugenics and technocracy, and you learn about all this. You listen to what our military is doing today through the words of the Frankenstein doctors running under military budgets. You listen to the people like Peter Thiel funding Singularity, the merger of man and machine. This guy is a huge government contract you should not trust your government you cannot sit here and tell me you don't trust them on one thing but you trust them on another thing so if you have a serial murderer like jeffrey dahmer living in your neighborhood and you know that he lures men to his home and he drugs them and then he chops them up and eats them But then he comes to your house with a bowl of chicken soup and tells you that he loves you and he knows you have a cold and he wants to help cure you with this bowl of chicken soup. You say, oh, he's a nice guy and you eat the bowl of chicken soup. You don't for one second stop yourself and say, I wonder if there's poison in this chicken soup. I wonder if he's going to drug me and then chop me up. I wonder if there's humans inside of this chicken soup. That is not chicken. That is someone's uh, calf muscle. I mean, come on, folks. How do you trust the government on some stuff and you don't on the other stuff? Once they prove to be liars and they prove to be corrupt and they prove to be criminals and they're doing insider trading when you'll go to jail if you do it, you're then going to take that bowl of chicken soup from them? No. No, 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 no. And I think if people understood the true history of our country, they would maybe not line up so quickly for these things and stop perpetrating this nonsense about this untested uh, vaccine, that it's experimental. No, it's it's not good. All right, who cares? I don't care if they tested it. You're going to believe the tests from the government. You're going to believe the results from the government. Folks, every study I had to read with things that my wife and I were going to go through were mainly approved by the CDC. Automatically, I put an X next to it. Of course, I read it because I needed it as a baseline to compare it to other stuff I was looking at. But I wasn't going to read it. It says, CDC says stick a LSD needle into your eyeball and shoot it into your head. And it's going to make you smart. Uh, Okay. Are you serious? I mean, folks, come on now. So if you still have friends and family that are not totally lost, try to start explaining some of this stuff to them. I've been working on some family members just as test cases going, did you know uh, our country did this? What? They did this? I didn't know that. Oh, yeah. But you have to do it in a way that you're not coming at them in a combative style. If they don't want to learn anything, don't waste your time with them. But if they are open, feel free to introduce them to this material. goes on to say, Henry Farnham, who co-founded the American Association for Labor Legislation, AALL, an influential reform organization led by academic economists and later served as the AEA president in 1911, emphasized aid to the poor as a cause of dysgenic selection. Quote, we are... Quote, Farnham proposed, quote, by means of our very improvements, setting forces in operation which tend to multiply the unfit, end quote. The increase in the unfit, Farnham concluded, quote, renders more and more imperative the solution of that exceedingly difficult problem, which Mr. Arnold White calls sterilization of the unfit, end quote. Ross Patton, Fetter, and Farnham all saw higher living standards and progressive era reforms less as a victory for social justice than as an impediment to Darwinian weeding out. Their response was not to argue against reform, as might a social Darwinist, but to advocate for eugenics, the substitution of state selection for natural selection of the fittest. You see this You see what we just covered here? So what this guy was saying, Farnham, who co-founded this AALL, this influential reform organization led by academic economists, and then he later served as the AEA president, emphasized aid to the poor as a cause of dysgenic selection. And then he goes on to say, uh, our very improvement setting forces in operation which tend to multiply the unfit, right? So so basically what he's saying is that giving them, uh, let's say in the case of welfare, we're allowing them to continue on and continue to be unfit. But the solution to the problem is not to stop the welfare. The solution is to advocate for Eugenics. Now, you have to dive deep into progressivism and try to see if they, at some point, the movement that led up to this, were actually the ones who were fighting for welfare and all of these handouts. Because if that is the case, and I have not begun to dig on this yet, but if that's the case, then they were setting up the problem to then offer. The solution so they make life easy for the so-called unfit then the unfit multiply and now the solution is to basically kill them all to weed them out of society once and for all the final solution eugenics All right, it goes on to say Francis Amasa Walker offered a race suicide account that proved especially influential in the immigration debate. Walker was a decorated Civil War hero, served as president of MIT from 1881 to 1897, directed the U.S. Census in 1870. And in 1880, served as the AEA's first president from 1886 to 1892, and was the most respected American economist at the beginning of the Progressive Era. Walker's race-suicide theory argued that immigration limited the natural fertility of the native population by which he meant earlier European immigrants of Anglo-Saxon ethnicity, so that inferior foreign-born stock effectively displaced superior native stock. Quote, the native element failed to maintain its previous rate of increase, End quote, says Walker. Quote, because the foreigners came in such swarms, End quote. Now, you'd also have to see who was pushing for open border policies at that time. All right, so they could have just advocated for closing down the borders and having stricter immigration policy, but somehow they push into the idea of eugenics, sterilization, breeding, and basically uh, genociding people. It goes on to say, Walker proposed that Native Americans would not compete with immigrants from the low-wage races. The American shrank the industrial competition thrust upon him. Walker argued, quote, he was unwilling himself to engage with the lowest kind of day labor with these new elements of the population. He was even more unwilling to bring sons and daughters into the world to enter that. Competition, end quote. So see, same kind of thing you're running into today. They bring in mass immigration that undercuts the American worker, and now the American worker basically gives up. That's what they're talking about. But again, their solution is uh, eugenics. Uh, And then look at what's going on today. Just put this into context with today. You have Elon Musk and company building supreme artificial intelligence that will be superior to humans, right? And then they say this is going to create a problem. It's a dangerment to humans. So instead of stopping it, they then say the answer is to merge with the machine to get the brain chip, to upload your consciousness to the cloud, to be able to beam the uh, internet down into your head. We will make you smarter. We will make you be able to compete with the machine. But no, not actually compete with the machine. Merge with the machine. See, they set up the problem. Mass immigration. They set up the problem. Handing out welfare to the poor. Then their solution is not to end those policies. The solution is to offer eugenics. And Elon Musk and them are doing the same today. They have the problem of the machines and the artificial intelligence, but they're solution is not to call for a ban on machines and artificial intelligence. The solution is for you to merge with machine. You see how this eugenics movement totally and completely parallels with the transhumanist movement, folks? When we get back tomorrow, I'm going to finish this document. It's very important, ladies and gentlemen. You have to understand this. You have to know the true history of our country. And then, Everything will fall into place for you. If you're just listening to this show for the first time, this is the type of stuff we cover here at the Dust and Gold Standard. We're on episode 90 now, folks. We've been doing this for 90 episodes. I show you the truth so that you can figure out how much of this you're willing to live with, how you're going to live one foot in the matrix, one foot out of the matrix, how you're going to raise your children and grandchildren to just say no to the technocracy and just say no to the transformation. ladies and gentlemen i hope you're enjoying this we are going to dive deep tomorrow i want you to have a full understanding of where this craziness came from ladies and gentlemen where i came from today was upstairs hanging out with my wife and my child and that is where i am going right now it's time for bed ladies and gentlemen have a great night have a great day i will see you tomorrow this is dustin gold with the dustin gold standard right here on pain.tv slash gold